Hey, everybody, and welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host. I am also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated to getting everybody in 2022 to realize their true calling as career professionals and have spent the better half of a year focusing on what you can do to better set yourself up in an interview, in a job search, how to optimize your job search. What if you work for an organization and you don't want people to leave your organization? We've talked about that. We've talked about a lot of things that have been very valuable, but today we're going to look at it through the inside out rather than the outside in from the vantage point of a workplace that it's not the best place to work. There's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of people there that may be not wanting to be there, looking for other opportunities. There's not a lot of promote from within. Maybe you're involved in that right now. And that's why you're listening to this program. We're going to take a look at a workplace situation that you may be going into day after day or even telecommuting in a virtual framework. And getting out of bed in the morning has become a chore. What is it that is holding you back from leaving? Maybe the very reason why you want to stay. Today, we're going to talk to a guest who has worked with a number of people who have had those sort of Sunday night scaries or Monday night jitters of going into work. And it's a grind to get into that workplace. My guests and my clients have all had people in their lives that they have worked with along these very same lines. But in this particular program, we have a guest that shows some pretty cool things that you can do to make the workplace better. Amy Can is on a mission to make work better for the people she works with and the companies that employ them. As the founder and lead coach of the Workplace Initiative, Amy works with executives, emerging leaders, and teams to increase self-awareness, shift mindsets, and build capabilities that are critical to leadership success, such as trust, empathy, resiliency, collaboration, and the ability to influence. Some of these we've approached on previous programs, but not in this way. So I'm super excited to welcome Amy to 52 Weeks. Amy, welcome. I'm so excited to be here and to talk about this topic, which I could talk about all day long. So thrilled to have you here because, as I mentioned in the intro, we have touched individually on a lot of these topics, but we haven't looked at it from helping organizations and teams within organizations run optimally for the greater good. We've talked about situations that are unsavory and you might want to find another job in lieu of because you can't fix it as an employee. But today we're going to talk about there may be ways of looking at things differently that you may love what you do. You may like the people it may not be running the way you want it to, but everybody can move towards a better tomorrow at a company. So I'm thrilled to have you here. Tell us a little bit about how this became your mission to make work better. So you mentioned in the intro that you've worked with people who've been in that situation. You've talked to people who work with people in that situation. I was in that situation, right? Before becoming a coach, I was in uh, corporate for way more than the majority of my career. So more than 20 years. And I spent the last 10 years of my corporate career 
at one company that was in particular notable for the culture. And, you know, it was a very much over 10 years, it was a lot of peaks, a lot of valleys, perhaps more valleys than peaks, if I'm being honest. And I stayed, I stayed through so many times when I knew I shouldn't be there, that it wasn't right for me, that it wasn't the right fit. And at the end, in particular, the last year, year and a half, I was there, it was horrible, horrible for me. But at the end of that, it still, it, it took being let go for me to leave. I had a conversation with someone, I guess, about a year ago. One of the things they said to me, someone I used to work with said, you know, I think most of us leave jobs too late. And you think that's true. We stay too long. We stay longer than we should. That said, there are a lot of things you can do. Sometimes people can't leave. There are valid reasons why people need to stay. And whether it's for that reason or it's just let's exhaust the possibilities before you leave somewhere else because there are enough things that you like about it. Rather than just talking yourself into it, how do you really make it better for you? How do you find the joy in the job that you have? I want to acknowledge that very correct in what you say. There's a lot of people that for financial reasons or other types of responsibilities, but there is also the fact that there are a lot of people who put in some good years at an organization. They may feel like they would be starting from scratch when in reality, they could actually get promoted faster than somewhere else. So I love what you said about leaving too late, because I've certainly done that in my career too, where I've just had the best of intentions to make a go of it. And I didn't want to be a quitter. I didn't want the stigma attached. Didn't want to have to explain that in an interview with the next company, because the topic is going to come up regardless of whether they should be asking you that. It's going to be, why this? And somehow it's going to come back to why am I leaving where I've been for the last five, 10 years. So I am intrigued to hear about some of the solutions and strategies you work on. Now, your mission is getting people out of bed in the morning. So the second they wake up, I know when I was in that situation, I rolled over and I hit snooze several times. I had fear. I I was in a state of overwhelm. How do you help people overcome that? Yeah. I'm going to dive into that, but I do want to say that sometimes the answer is leaving where fear gets in our way, but (laughs) it's about making decisions. And I think that's the first thing going to answer your question about how to make things better. How do you get to the point where you're happy getting those two feet on the ground Monday morning? It's feeling empowered. I think one of the biggest things that is really difficult for people in their job is when they feel disempowered, they feel like they don't have control. It could be overwhelmed. It could be a lot of things. The truth is though, we all make choices all day long, all the time. And you make the choice to leave. You can make the choice to say, if you make the choice to do nothing, you're still making a choice, whether you think it through or not. And the more you start thinking about the decisions you make as conscious choices, the more empowered you feel over your life. That is a huge, I mean, that's one, but that's a huge thing. And it's not easy necessarily. It takes sort of practice, but changing your mindset to knowing that the choices you make are your choices to make, it can be so powerful for people. Empowering somebody who feels defeated is absolutely the antidote for that defeat. Exactly. When you feel you have no choice, if you're staying in a company 
because you feel you have no choice it's horrible, right? Like that's, that's terrible versus, right? You're staying in the company because you are making a choice that the money's important to your family or because you want to stay to retirement age when benefits will kick in, or you're staying because there are opportunities that you haven't conquered yet. And although they may be hard to see or hard to grab or get access to, you know they're there. And once you can kind of click to that, then it's like, okay, so there are these opportunities. Now, what decisions do I make? How do I get those opportunities? And you just start reframing things to a level of opportunity rather than I have no choice. I really like to know where you were when I was going through this <laughs> job situation, but I'm gonna, be, <laughs> I'm gonna be entirely vulnerable on this program. And I'm gonna kind of be the case presentation for you because I would love to hear how I could have done it differently. So I was at a company where I was well-liked. I had won awards and accolades and great monetary benefits and all of that. The reality was I was after a promotion that I wasn't getting. And when it came time for that promotion to be posted in a, as a job, I was tapped on the shoulder and I was told to throw my hat in the ring. I didn't get the job. And I was devastated because it was one of those situations that doesn't come around very often. And it was that, that was the catalytic converter (laughs) in the situation that made it so hard to go back in there and show my face Mm. and took all of the joy out of what I was doing because I really thought I was a shoo-in. And I may, in retrospect, have even thought about it as an entitlement. I thought Mm. it was my job to lose. How do you help people assess situations like this where it's like, okay, that opportunity has flown the coop? Yeah. Let's peel back the layers and see what we can learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you you gave me that that case because it's very common one. It can be so disheartening to put yourself out there. And then not get what you kind of have already sort of set in your mind is yours. You deserve it. So often it's, it's a question of, first off, why is it important to you? What about this promotion is important? And sometimes where we get to with that, actually, maybe I should ask you, why was it important to you? In retrospect, it was It wasn't at all because I, I had done the job before. So it wasn't experiential that I was looking. It wasn't a money thing. I think it was more boredom, if I'm mm. to be honest. And look back, I was doing the job I was doing in my sleep. Wasn't being challenged in any way. So I don't know that it was anything more than that. And it, it's interesting, right? Because even getting to just that question, why is that important to you? can start unpeeling this onion of like exactly what you said. It's it's not really the promotion. It's whatever's around it. So boredom in your case, for some it's recognition. And then once you get to like what the why is, then you can start exploring like you will, how else could you get that? How else could you not be bored? Right? What other opportunities might there be? Or if it's recognition, how else might you be recognized? And from whom? And why is that important to you? you? You start going into much deeper territory, not the circumstantial stuff. I just want to add in here because this was a big lesson for me as it is with a lot of my clients. 
this whole climbing the ladder thing Mm -hmm. and this idea of getting there and certain point, I think for many of us, we see that there is no there. Life is just a, there's no end to the path. I mean, death, I suppose, depending on your feelings about that, but the career ladder, it just keeps going and it goes up and down and it it kind of winds and it's just not a linear path and there's no kind of top. And that's a mind shift change too. You know, you can have goals, but the more you make those goals more growth oriented, then title oriented, probably the happier you'll be. That is such a true statement because what ended up transpiring in that situation was a lateral move for me. I had been looking above, even though I had had that job at a previous company, I didn't need, as I said, the experience to go from being an associate director to a director. I'd done it before. So it wasn't really about title to your point, but I had not even considered the growth that could happen if I had gone lateral in a parallel pathway that might take me in a completely different direction than I had anticipated. And that made a big difference. That's what got me into coaching full-time because it enabled me to get into organizational development and learning and development, which was a different pathway from commercial training, which is where I had been. So it was actually a blessing in disguise, if you will, but it was one that I wasn't ready to see when I was in hot pursuit. So yes, exactly all the things you said was asking myself, why is it so important? I love that so much too, because when you're in that place, and I know you know this, when you're in that place, of lack of choice, and I have to stay, you're closing yourself off to seeing opportunities, right? It, mm-hmm. it's, it, I always talk about like the flashlight, right? Your, your focus is so narrow that you only can see this little piece in front of you. And when you broaden your perspective, so beyond I have to stay or I have to get that promotion and your tunnel vision to that promotion. When you move past that and start going to the why and you broaden the beam of the flashlight and you can start seeing opportunities. And to your point, like lateral moves can be absolutely amazing. When you understand, like you, you drop the ego Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, you kind of take out, like, I have to move up. I have to move up and what that means and whatever to what do I really want? What's really fulfilling to me? What matters? Then you can go in all sorts of directions. It it can be so incredibly fulfilling, but you kind of got to. I think people want career paths handed to them at times. I think, and to your point about narrow mindedness, I mean, I was full on narrow because I was head down doing the work. I wasn't even looking around me. I had my goal. I had my North Star, which was that promotion. So when I didn't get it, I was unprepared for that. I really was. And I had been so head down busy doing the work that the work consumed me, but it didn't Mm. make me happy. It's that hamster wheel that people get on where they're like, I'm productive. I'm busy. But I'm not really getting anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So how can an individual be more engaged in the process themselves of setting their sights on career? Yeah. So the hamster wheel is always so interesting, right? I was on it. The thing about the hamster wheel is it's in constant motion. You just keep going. And 
it's not unless, again, going back to making conscious choices, making a conscious choice to step off. Maybe it's just, you know, briefly, just step off briefly and start to think about these things, not, not do. It's not all about being in motion. And I know for a lot of people, women in particular, um, I can speak to because I am one, um, that, that time in my career in particular as a, you know, I had young kids at home and I was working full time and the hamster wheel did not stop when I left the office. It like absolutely continued because I'd get home and I'd make dinner and it was like, you know, and at the end of the day, like claps on the couch. And that was not when I wanted to do like some deep thinking, right? I just wanted to watch mindless TV and go to bed, you know? And I think that that's part of it. So making time to reflect is really important and so overlooked, so overlooked. I hope this isn't too much of a tangent, but I, I, I think of the time when uh, once I had been let go from my company and before I became a coach, one of the things that I started doing, I think I, I learned this from um, something that Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook had, had talked about, was a gratitude journal. And rather than like just you know, journaling had always been really tough for me. I'm not good at just like writing, but I made a point at the end of every day to just write down three things I was thankful for in that day, just three. Th- and it could be like my, my kid didn't fight with me. I was going to say it could be small, but at times that was really big. It could be small. It could be big. It could be like, it was a nice, beautiful weather. It doesn't matter, but that, that shifts your mindset. Reflecting can help shift the way your brain thinks. This is brain science at this point, right? You rewire your brain to think different. And that doesn't happen when you're on a hamster wheel. In fact, reflection for me in that time was instrumental in having me focus on the haves versus the have-nots in my life. It's huge. I thank you for letting me walk through this experience because it was so much what I'm hearing many people are now going through as they're settling into careers, settling back into the work, settling back into some semblance of normalcy after the last few years that we've experienced as a society. And it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It's move up or move on. And that's not necessarily how it has to be. Share with me a little bit about in what ways we talked about gratitude journals, a great thing to decide to do, but what other ways can people be more intentional about the choices they make with their careers? So as far as tools, another one that was really critical for me was meditation. I have to say that in my corporate career and when I left it initially, none of this stuff was like second nature. I mean, this was like meditation, whatever. I'm also someone who's, I love data. And when I read like hard science and research that like says, this is the benefits and this is proven through all this research. And that's what happened to me with meditation. And I really do think that's something, again, with meditation, you're just kind of letting things flow. You're quieting down your mind. That's all it is. So again, it goes sort of to reflection, stepping off the hamster wheel. You don't have to do that if it's meditation or you don't have to like devote tons of time. You can start off really slow, but it does, it is being mindful and thinking about things is it's incredibly important. And none of the mindset shifts are going to happen when you're in motion. 
when you're constantly moving. You can't make changes that way. That's a great yeah. point. That sets you up for starting to ask yourself deeper questions. What matters to you? What are your values? That's a huge one. And making sure you understand what it is you value, that you're in touch with that. And then understanding, well, how am I living those today? Where am I? What needs improvement? Where, where can I more closely align with my values? Because that will help you make decisions about your career. That'll help you, like, you know, if I'm, if I really value uh, fun, let's say, which I do, um, <laughs> and I'm not having fun in my job, that starts the thinking, okay, well, what do I need to do? Again, me, what do I need to do to make, to put fun in my life at work? It's taking responsibility for those choices. That's a huge step in the right direction. And people are very powerful in their own lives. And they, that's often overlooked as well. We yeah. are our own sort of sole survivor. We guide what our expectations, and it's it's that old adage that which you focus on will expand. So if you look at things in a negative light, it's just going to continue to look negative. And if you look at things in a very possible and positive light, then that's what will follow there too. So yeah. that's ways that people can themselves be intentional about choices. You do some pretty special work working with teams and coaching and consulting in organizations to yeah. help them do that on a broader scale. Share a little bit about the, what you do. Yeah. So the teamwork is really interesting in that when we think of teams, and I say we, I, coming from my perspective, it's not a group of individuals, it's a unit. So a team is a unit unto itself. And it has a personality and it has its own kind of rules. And the work I do with teams with team coaching is about working from that perspective. So the idea, and I'll tell you, if you use the example of goal setting, for example, if you set as a team, you set team goals and team KPIs, and you're doing it collectively as a group. You all have buy-in because you're all doing this together. And if there's some, we need this KPI to be successful to achieve our team goals, it changes things versus every team that I was ever on where we came in as a team, maybe as like a senior leadership team, but really we were all chasing our own agendas. I had my own KPIs. I had my own team and I would come together to the senior leadership team and my perspective was always coming from, in my case, marketing and being very protective, as was everybody else on that team. And so achieving things in that way is incredibly difficult because you really you're not you're not working together. You're siloed. And so when you look at the team as a unit, it's very different. And you work together to create safety on the team and trust so that you can move forward to achieve the goals of the team. But again, like it's working as one group. So as a coach, my client is the team. It is not the individuals on the team. And I work with the team on the team's goals. The thing about teamwork, which I've tried to impart this wisdom on every company I've ever been a part of, when I moved over to the organizational development side and I started working with HR teams, 
to better educate managers who hire into the organization, that your team is a unit where each person plays a role for the greater good of the whole. That is exactly right. So I love that you are sharing that like-mindedness. I told you I was going to bring this up (laughs) because it's, I felt like a single drummer just drumming away here and nobody was listening. They're like, no, there's no way to do that. There is a way you can interview when you bring people into the organization, you know, the things that you need to have done on your team to be a full whole unit. So you need to look for the attributes and values and talent that comprises those those pieces. And um, not the same, which is exactly. the big pitfall. Don't look for somebody who's going to fit into the team. But that's what people do. That's, that's what exactly people do. What you go into any given company, and I know that you've probably seen it too. We won't mention company names, but there are, it's like a bunch of <laughs> yeah toy soldiers they all look the same they act the same they speak the same they're all drinking the same kool-aid but if you really want to make things happen you have to take diverse souls into an organization and have them be their best selves and give them the the freedom to do that that's how great companies thrive yeah in the work i do with teams there are 14 indicators that we use to measure the team, like, you know, on a scale of one to 10 against 14 indicators that are shown to be prevalent on high-performing teams. Among them are that the team values diversity. So that's one of them. Um, Trust, which isn't a surprise, and healthy conflict. Three things that are so interrelated but that you need. So if you have, like you were saying, you know, this vanilla team, this, you know, uh, homogeneous team, you get groupthink. So nothing really happens because nobody's going to, everybody agrees with everyone else for the most part. There may be a level of trust, but really who's going to argue when you have everybody kind of the same way? Nobody's really probably going to say anything if they disagree. There's a lot of interplay there, but we know Again, going back to research and data, I got to see it. There is so much of it out there that says companies who have diverse people that bring diverse thought, teams that have diverse thought uh, are more successful the way it is. Finally, exactly. It's shocking to me that we still find companies that are not adapt these philosophies because they're so interconnected with highly diverse and highly effective and highly productive teams. Yeah. And they're still going about it the old way, trying to get a different outcome. That's the art of being stupid. Then maybe you get a diverse team together, but that that's not the end of it, right? Because then you do need the healthy conflict and you do, do need the trust so that the people who maybe are more of the outliers on the team are comfortable raising their hand or, you know, interjecting or having a different opinion and aren't shut down by other people of the team who are of like mind. It's, yeah, it's a disruption. It's a dysregulation of the norm. And it goes back to my personal example, again, me being very vulnerable, where I turned to somebody in the company that I was at and I said, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm finding it hard to come in. During the day, I don't feel like I'm being challenged because I had gotten, I'd stepped off the hamster wheel 
And I said, I'm doing the same thing every day. I'm not growing. I'm not learning. And he said to me, well, you wouldn't have learned in that promoted position. It's probably a Mm. blessing that you didn't get it. And I said, well, what do you guys want from me? Like, I kind of said that he was one of the other leaders in the organization. And he said, I'm waiting for you to bring the real Andrea to the table. Wow. And it was profoundly game-changing for me. It was that healthy conflict. It wasn't what I wanted to hear. He knew it, but it's what I needed to hear. And it influenced me so greatly that I said, well, what would you do in my situation? What are the opportunities? Do you know of anything coming up that might stretch me and grow? And he said, I can't make the decision for you. You have to sit down and write it out. So your point about the gratitude channel was one. He said, I think you need to stop looking for the things that you don't have and realize the things you do have are things we need right now. And you just mm. need to bring it to the table in a vastly different way. It's all the things you're talking about. But five years ago, nobody was going into companies and having these conversations. How did these conversations start for you? Did they come to you? Do you, how has it become your business? Yeah. So, so after I was let go from my corporate job, I did a lot of work to kind of, one, to not fall down the ditch. Oh my God, I was let go which at the time I also knew was a blessing because I was so unhappy. So there was a good side, but you're, you know, everyone, when you, you deal with ego stuff again. And anyway, it took me a long time to figure out what do I really want to do? It was stepping off the hamster wheel, really looking at like, do I really want to go back to corporate? And the answer was yes for a long time. And it was a really gradual process for me to realize like, that's not at all what I want. The actual act of getting there was what got me to coaching because I did all this work and I loved it so much learning about meditation and doing it and all these tools. And I don't want to say I self-coached. I I mean, I guess that's sort of a thing. And I guess in some ways I did, but I just learned more about what was behind it and thought, you know, it was very different from what I thought coaching was. And uh, I felt empowered. I felt really empowered by what I was learning. And that's what brought me to coaching because I was one, I could do more of it for myself at the same time that I was learning to do it to help other people. Involved in terms of, you know, how I got to this place of working in companies was in part leveraging where I'd been, Mm -hmm. which I think many of us do. The experiences I had are incredibly valuable experiences, not just in those last 10 years, but you know, everything that came before were really valuable. And I helping people prevent that last stage of my career in corporate and also realizing in what I do now, I'm, I am so happy every day. Like I do get out of bed on Monday, excited for what the day is going to bring. I know it's possible. And I don't think you have to become a coach to do that. I think it's possible for everybody but it's just a matter of finding what it is that turns you on really and like gets you excited and makes you feel empowered and gives you a sense of purpose. And That's why I start my 52 weeks episodes with that phrase that I'm fiercely dedicated to getting people to realizing their true career potential because just like you, that experience, that last corporate experience made me realize I can do this for the greater good to 
learn from what I went through and hopefully evade that for them completely. Because I, I do think there's a way to get out of bed every Monday and every day, frankly, and really want to do what you do and be happy yeah. doing what you do and being happy enough and comfortable enough to take vacations when you need to really feel like it's okay to be yeah. you in that situation. It really is. If I knew as a leader what I know now, wow, I would have been so much better a leader. And so that's very motivating for me too with the work I do with the people I work with. Because it starts with you, mm -hmm. but it doesn't end with you. It's like, if you are feeling better getting out of bed, then so are the people who work with you, for you. If you're feeling crappy every morning, how do you think your teammates and the people you're leading feel? It's, it's very contagious and I wanna share it because I know how impact, impactful it can be. When you're dreading going into the workplace, it's not always because of the manager. We love to say it's all because of the manager, it's not. It's not all because you're not doing I would encourage our listeners to really ask themselves, is this fulfilling to me? Was it once and now it's not? What's different? What's changed? What can change? Is it time to sit down and have a, a brass tax discussion with your direct report manager and say, hey, I need to do some soul searching here? I was just going to say, I think like you, you know, sometimes it really, it's the boredom. You just, you kind of, it got lost. Like you're your purpose or, or what motivates you and stuff, all that, it, it can get lost along the way. And you're right. You got to like kind of go back and figure that out. And it, it may be, you may be able to find it where you are. Well, part of the reason why I called my company Flint Coaching and Consulting, a Flint is like that, that yeah. thing that ignites a flame, right? Love Taking that. you back to eighth grade science class and lighting a Bunsen burner. But it really, was that whole metaphor for reigniting people in their career. Leaving isn't necessary to do the same thing, isn't necessarily going to reignite your flame. You're right. You yeah. really got to get into the why behind the feelings that you're feeling. Yep. Exactly. How can people reach you? How can people work with you? They can go to my website which is www.wpinitiative.com uh, or send me an email, amy at wpinitiative.com. Workplace Initiative, it's a powerful name and you've done great things for organizations. What types of programs do you offer? I have one-to-one -one coaching, group coaching, working with uh, ERGs, groups who have similar challenges, Team coaching, as we've talked about, I do some leadership development training, but predominantly I work in the coaching. I've enjoyed our conversation today. Would love to hear your key takeaways for people that are still struggling a little bit with getting their feet on the floor first thing in the morning. Yeah. So what would you tell them? I would say overall, you know, and it all ties back to the same themes, right? Reflect, take time out to reflect. The, the gratitude journal at the end of the day is one way to do it. And it's great to do whatever kind of reflection you do 
at the end of the day to end it positively. So you go to bed with positive thoughts because that, that also, it changes your sleep, kind of trains your brain. So that, and we all know what it's like when you go to bed and like, you're just thinking about problems. So that's self-reflect. Self-reflection builds self-awareness. So again, another theme. And I think those are really important. So you know where to go from there. And then like the third, as part of that, ask yourself some deeper questions. So perhaps it's not just, I want to leave the company. Maybe it's why, what, what, what am I really dissatisfied with? Why is that important? What's driving me? And just kind of try to get a little deeper. Excellent. Excellent. I knew you would be just the right person to tackle this <laughs> issue because it's a real one it and is we're here to empower. Thank you, Love Amy Can, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so it. much, hopefully, Andrea. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this episode and we will continue to help empower people in 2022 to really get to the heart of their why in their career. So thank you I for helping it. to do that. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. So appreciate it. For those of you listening, that's all we have time for this week. We will catch up with you next week. Same time, same place, even more power. Take care.